it's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gut. Together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation, and if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling With Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, and request, and I will probably give you one in return. And like King David Comedy on most major social media platforms as well. That's King David Comedy with a K. Comedy with a K. King David Comedy. So definitely check that out too. And I'm here to talk what else but wrestling and problems. Uh, We had a lot of wrestling this past weekend. We had two major pay-per-views. We had the uh, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view as well as the Bound for Glory pay-per-view. So we're going to discuss both of them. I've actually had a chance to watch both pay-per-views Finally squeeze squeeze Bound for Glory in at the very, very last minute. That's why I'm not starting 100% on time today. Very, very close, though, because I wanted to, to get that in and uh, discuss the results. Because I was also close to it. But uh, let's go ahead and get into it. I guess I'll start with uh, Hell in a Cell. That was the one I was really excited for. It wasn't necessarily a huge excitement for any one given angle. I, I did like the uh, the Bailey uh, Sasha Banks angle. I did like the Jay Uso and um, Jimmy Uso and Roman Reigns, the whole Samoan Dynasty slash Tribal Chief angle. But, uh, and also, you know, they also had a Drew McIntyre uh match with Randy Orton. Those are only three matches that were booked when I made my predictions last week. They did add a couple more matches to it. So I'm grateful they did, they did do that, although all those matches ended up kind of seeming like afterthoughts to the show. But let's go ahead and dig into the uh, the main dishes of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view this time around. Uh, you ended up having a total of seven matches. Uh, actually, I, I, I will briefly discuss some of the other matches before I get into the, to the main stuff. Bobby Lashley defeated Slab Jack by submission. That was the singles match for the United States Championship. Uh, Mustafa Ali issues the challenge prior to the prior to the pay per view. They accepted. Bobby Lashley agreed. They both quote agree that there'd be no outside interference. We just have the match one on one. Bobby Lashley pretty much Jimmy Slab Jack beat him. Of course, after the match, they came and did a beatdown. 
And then, of course, you know, as soon as the Hurt Business came out to stop it, they sort of ran off. Mustafa Ali was almost left in the ring by himself to take the beating, but he was able to skip the last minute. So, solid match, nothing special, I wouldn't say, though. It was a relatively short match under four minutes. We had for Miz, where John Morrison defeated Otis, the contract holder with Tucker. This is a match I sort of forgot about, because it technically wasn't announced prior. They did end up... uh, doing a little uh, gimmick on SmackDown go-home show. Basically, they did a little court segment where they had some people testifying and, you know, a court thing. It was, I'll call it mildly entertaining. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. I did like the sort of ending to it. JBL was the judge. Uh, after the Miz gave him a briefcase that we didn't get to see what was in, they put a huge smile on JBL's face. We could only assume that there was probably some sort of uh, economic remuneration in it, and that's what Led him to taking the court uh, decision his way because he was just it looked like he was just about to announce you didn't provide any good evidence that uh, Otis was going to be the uh, keeping the contract and nothing was going to go with that. So overall, solid segment wasn't great, wasn't terrible, but the ending sort of saved it for me a little bit. That led into the match for this. They ended up having a singles match for the Money in the Bank contract. The Miz defeated. Uh, Otis, who was the contract holder, Tucker turned on him, so that led to the eventual feud we thought we were going to get between Otis and Tucker. Uh, Tucker's explanation for turning on him, sort of good. Uh, the traditional, I did all the work, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I carry you. You know, I'm an afterthought. If you if you look in the in the in the confines of the way the team worked, that that kind of works as a gimmick, so it doesn't feel like it's completely out of nowhere. So let's see how the rest of this feud goes. As a general rule, uh, when these tag teams break up, you don't want to be the uh, usually you don't want to be the more powerful guy. It's usually the the athletic guy that usually uh, goes on to become a star. And usually when teams split up, one guy becomes a star, one guy fades into oblivion. So. Uh, even though Tucker's a little bit of a better talker than Otis is, Otis definitely probably has more charisma than Tucker. Although he's the bigger guy, he's also the funnier guy, so there's probably a lot more stuff they can do as far as side gags and other stuff with Otis as opposed to what they might do with Tucker. So I'm guessing if either of them becomes a little bit more of a major star, I'm guessing it'll be more Otis. But, you know, we shall see. It's all in, like, let's see how our t- Tucker takes this opportunity within this feud, because this feud will probably be what they do for the next couple months. But anyway, the match was, you know, I wouldn't say this match was great. It was just okay. Uh, Elias defeated Jeff Hardy by DQ. Match wasn't that long. It was like eight minutes long. Some solid work, but nothing special. And then also on the kickoff show, they had a singles match for the uh, – WWE 24-7 title, which was uh, R-Truth defeating Drew Gulak. Solid work by both guys. Not a great match. Not all that long, but solid work. Nothing special. Anyway, now let's go ahead and get back into the uh, the main matches that I, that I would say were, were the focus. Uh, you had, uh, I guess we'll start off with the match that was the opener for the main pay-per-view, which is weird. It's weird to have an I quit match be the show opener. <laughs> Uh, but basically there was an I quit match uh, in Hell in a Cell, which was unique for the WWE Universal Championship. Obviously, if uh, if uh, Jay Uso wins, he gets the Universal Championship. If Jay loses, says I quit, 
they have to take orders from Roman Reigns and announce him as the court tribal chief. Or, if they don't, they are kicked out of the uh, Anoa'i family. So, you don't want to be kicked out of the family. And I did like that at the end, they ended up having the uh, Wild Samoans come down and like... Uh, Sort of acknowledge Roman Reigns to a degree. I didn't know if they were going to like turn on him or what they what they were going to do with that exactly, but they just sort of had to play the respectful elders and they just sort of looked. They didn't they didn't really do much. They don't really seem as wild and not as the old though. It's, it's weird that you have these older gentlemen who are like these incredible badass. Obviously, you know everybody gets older. Everybody you know nobody can be the sort of wild person they was when they were younger. But it's weird when your gimmick is your like your gimmick was there these wild, savage guys, and now you see them kind of this peaceful, older place in their life. It's kind of a weird contrast. It's sort of the contrast you get whenever almost anybody goes into the WWE Hall of Fame and they're, like, older than 60. And you see, oh, yeah, that's George Animal Steel. He's not crazy at all. <laughs> and it's, it's that sort of thing, you know. He's just a normal – he's a relatively normal guy, and he played this savage gimmick, so it's like it's weird – where they had, especially guys who lived in KFA for so long back, I'd say prior to like 1990 or so, most of the guys lived it really close. Then it started, you know, gradually fade away as we got towards the attitude era and whatnot. But anyway, uh, it was still good to see those guys. I like it whenever you can bring out some of the old guys, especially when the uh, the family heritage and the Samoan dynasty and everything was such an important part of this feud. It was really nice to see them bring bring them out and have them play a part in it. Because, like I said, in addition to just being the head of that family, the probably the most prolific family in wrestling history as far as producing just vast numbers of talented wrestlers, both you know, you know, main eventers, tag teams, you know, mid card guys, a whole lot. You, basically, anything within the business you could have. You have you've had world champions, you have tag team champions. You've had, you know, openers and basically everything in between. So, anyway, it was an enjoyable match. I wouldn't call it—I wouldn't call it the best match on the show, but it was definitely a good match. Uh, they did good job with telling the story. In fact, out of all the matches on the card, I would say this particular match did the best job of having a good match, telling the story, really selling the story. And I think I enjoyed that. The the one problem I had with the match, and it almost hurts the match for me in a way, not so much that I didn't enjoy the match, but it hurt it a little bit because this was like, this match could have been a 10 out of 10 based on everything I mentioned as far as storyline, telling the story, being good wrestling, you know, especially with it being in sort of an extreme match as well. I didn't like how they did the end. Now, I completely agree with them booking the match where, you know, Roman Reigns does something to Jimmy to get Jay to quit. I figured that's probably the way it would happen anyway. But I agree with them doing it that way. The only thing is, since they announced that Jimmy had a knee injury, it was weird that he finished him off with a chokehold. Either they should have did something where he attacked the knee, or... You know, obviously, I don't know how bad his knee is currently hurt. I don't know if it's, like, the point where you could literally do anything and anything could just, like, destroy it or touch it. Like, if you could, you could put any kind of lead lock on him and it would, you know, cause real damage. I don't know how far along he is in his rehab process and whatnot. 
But if that's the case, if they couldn't use some sort of leg lock, what I would have did was, since he had already had the steel chairs, I would have did the thing where either he threatened to drop the steel, the steel, uh, not, not steel chair, steel the, the the ring steps, either on the knee or on or on Jimmy's head. One of those two things would have been the way I would have sold the inning as far as he didn't even have to actually have to do it. He just had to threaten to do it, and he had it up, and then you just have you just have just have a just have Jay begging him, begging him, I quit, I quit, I quit, and then that would have been the end to it. So that would have way that's that was my only major complaint with that match. It still it didn't it didn't hurt it enough where I was not satisfied by the match. I did still like the story, I still enjoy it. But that was in between it being a nine and a ten. That would have made it a full ten touching all the bases. So definitely enjoyed it. They just they should have took that one extra step if I was booking it. Uh, next, we'll get into the uh, Hell in a Cell match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, this was actually the middle of the trilogy as far as the uh, Hell in a Cell matches. This was towards the middle of the card. Sasha Banks did defeat Bailey by submission. Basically, she put her head in the chair and, <laughs> and made Bailey tap. So, I would say out of all the Hell in a Cell matches, this is overall the best match as far as action and, and, and everything. So, I say this is my favorite match, purely as a wrestling match on the card. Again, Roman Reigns versus Uso was a good wrestling match, but it probably told the best story overall. Just as pure, and I'm not, and I'm not even downing the storytelling of this match either. I'm just saying, when I'm mentioning everything, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso did everything as far as the total packs being the best. Sasha Banks and Bailey storyline was still very good. It's just. Is a pure wrestling match. This is probably the match I enjoyed best out of the three Hell in a Cell matches on the card. Best action. Story was not quite as good as Jey Uso and Marines, but it was still a good story. But overall, I did enjoy this match, and like I said, this is probably my favorite match on the entire card. It's also uh, led Sasha Banks to being a Women's Grand Slam champion. I didn't even think about that before it happened, but she's been, you know, Raw champion, SmackDown champion, WWE, uh, Women's Tag Team Champion and NXT Champion, so she's pretty much done everything that a woman can do in WWE. So the only, I think the other, the only other people that have done that, I believe, are Bailey and Asuka. So she's made history. Uh, last but not least, we got Randy Orton versus uh, Drew McIntyre. Randy Orton became a 14-time World Champion. He defeated Drew McIntyre in a Hell in a Cell match. This was not a bad match by any stretch. It just felt like it lacked a little something for me. Probably just due to the fact that I think Roman Reigns' match did such a great job telling the story. Uh, even Sasha Banks and Bailey match did a better job telling the story than this match. The booking of the match was solid, but I, th- I just think the story going into it, everything wasn't sold the way that it probably should have been. They probably should have sold Randy Orton trying to... M- catch Triple H or something to that effect a little bit better. Because they did focus on that after the fact, but not as much, I don't think, leading into it. The match was solid. There was nothing wrong with the match. They did some cool stuff with climbing the cage and a nice shot off the uh, Drew McIntyre falling off the cage, although it was pretty much blatantly obvious where they had these little foot pedals on the side of the cage, which is pretty ridiculous. It's like it's obvious they're standing on the foot pedals before the uh, before the fall. 
But overall, for a for a show that didn't didn't uh, provide much in the way of matches by the time I made my predictions you know, last Monday. Like I said, Disney Venice is doing a Monday podcast or a Monday radio show. Is there's still two more shows prior to the card for them to throw stuff in? So half the half the card I didn't get to predict, but after the fact, looking like I really didn't really miss all that much. Not that any of that stuff was terrible, but not making those predictions aren't really <laughs> causing me any problems or any pain. But overall, I, I would call this a good pay per view. Never, I would, I, would even, I would even call it a very good one. Uh, like I said, all three of the main event matches delivered overall. Although I kind of thought the main event, main event of the three was probably the weakest match of the three, which is weird because it was the longest match in the last one. But overall, like I said, it wasn't terrible. I don't hate it, so I don't want to be too much for downers. There's been a lot of times when I've been down on WWE pay-per-views, and uh, this was not one of those times. I thoroughly enjoyed this card overall from from uh, from the things that I expected to enjoy and the other stuff was just luckily was very very brief and now that I think about it they did, they did a good job the other quote three matches that were on the card were just sort of filler in between the, the other stuff so it worked out pretty well uh, I don't think by the way related to the, I don't think the lack of a live crowd probably hurt this as much as some of the other wrestling I've watched. Obviously, a live crowd, crowd probably would have helped it a lot more anyway, but it didn't hurt it as much as it hurt some other stuff. And I will get into that now as I switch to Brown for Glory because I do think uh, Bound for Glory and not having a live crowd was definitely hurt by the lack of a live crowd because not only did they not have a live crowd, they didn't even have like the wrestlers sort of playing the role of a crowd. They didn't have any video screens. They didn't have much in anything. So, I think it hurt the uh, card a lot. But let's go ahead and uh, get into uh, some of the matches really fast. Uh, I did not watch the the pre-show, so I'm not even going to bother discussing that, but uh, Deaners, Cody, and and Cousin Jake defeated the Rascals, Dez, and Lentz. I didn't see that match. I don't know how good it is. It's only three minutes and 40 seconds, so I'll have to take your word for it. The actual main Brown for Glory card opened up strong with a six-way intergender scramble match for the Impact X Division Championship. You had Rohit, Rohit Raju defeated Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, TJP, Trey and Willie Mack. This is a very good match. Anytime you have a uh, intergender match, you kind of wonder how they're going to make it work. If is anybody going to be reluctant? Everybody going to hold their weight, et cetera, et cetera. I think they did a good job of balancing, you know, uh, as far as, you know, treating Jordan Grace like she's credible in this match. She's They, they, they hyped her as probably the second strongest person in the match, and you would probably guess that's probably the case. She did a good job along with Willie uh, providing just she – was, she was really more the, quote, power in the match. And that's not to say that Willie Mack isn't strong, but Willie Mack, even though he's strong, he's also very athletic. So you don't get the pure powerhouse from her. You got the pure powerhouse in the match from from her as opposed to him. Uh, 
And of course, all the other athletes, for the most part, Shrey, TJP, and Chris Bay are great quote athletes. Raheem Rajus, he sort of plays the role of the conniving heel. He's quote the, just more of the smart guy in the match. He's just gonna you know bide his time, you know, take his shots, and that's what he did. He basically waited to he picked his spots, and then um, did a good job, and he ended up eventually winning the match. So this was probably my favorite match on the card as far as wrestling standpoint. It was a very, very good match, very, very enjoyable. We had a 20 wrestler intergender call your shot gauntlet match. This is unique. I don't really remember seeing a match because obviously I have not watched. I don't, I think this is the first time I've watched a impact wrestling pay-per-view in quite some time. So apologies to me if they've had this particular match before. I've never seen this, this quite this, type of match, Intergender Call Your Shot Gauntlet. I'm not saying they've never had it before. I know I have never seen it before, so please don't send hate mail my way if I haven't seen it. <laughs> but eventually, uh, Rhino won. He defeated Sammy Callahan because at the end of this match, it's like basically like a battle royal up until which point the last two wrestlers in, or when the last two wrestlers in, it becomes a court wrestling match, and then you got to win by pin or submission or whatever. There was also a stipulation on this match uh, that if Rhino won, Heath would get a full-time contract. If neither Heath or Rhino won, Heath Rhino would be fired, so there were consequences for it. <coughs> My apologies for that. But overall, it's a battle royal. You don't really expect much out of a battle royal other than like if it's a World Rumble or a few other battle royals where you see some cool not-elimination eliminations, etc., I don't think it really has much in the way of that, but it was a battle roll. It was, a, I guess, it was a chance to get a lot of people on the card, and he finally has a job. So at least, at least it did provide for finally solving that problem of Heat not having a job, despite the fact he's on the show every week, which eventually gets to the point where it's kind of silly. You can't keep having matches for you to quote don't work here. Uh, you had a cinematic match, Moose versus EC3. I, basically, it was just Raw Underground. EC3 claimed that uh, Raw Underground was stolen from an idea he had submitted. Basically, this is just sort of that match, but a cinematic version of it. Uh, EC3 is now with Ring of Honor, so I don't know if he's left the company altogether or he's going to be working multiple places, but basically, they sold it as EC3, quote, sacrificing himself to Moose to let him... Uh, control his narrative, so I'll, we'll ultimately see how that goes later on. We had Ken Shamrock in a match, and in that match, Ken Shamrock defeated Eddie Edwards. I honestly don't know what benefit Ken Shamrock beating Eddie Edwards does to the business, to Impact Wrestling. Maybe it was just like a sort of, you know, gimme to him for being inducted to the Hall of Fame, but normally... When you have older talent like this, even with the resume of Ken Shamrock, you usually don't put those guys over on a pay-per-view, particularly over a guy who has been a previous world, recent world champion. So I don't know if there's a long game here, how long they plan on keeping Ken Shamrock around, but the booking for that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Not that I just have a problem with Ken Shamrock winning. I just think in long-term, as far as the booking, it didn't really make a lot of sense. Although Kim Shamalux look, looks relatively good for a guy his age, you could kind of see a little bit of him slowing down in a match because, you know, he, little, he used to be a little bit quicker, 
but you know, it was natural process of aging. You probably slow down a little bit. So he did do a good job of sort of. I don't know if, if that was intentional or not. Whether he just does the thing where he's more deliberate, more controlled now, or if he's just just age has got to him. But he didn't look dead slow. But you could definitely see a slowdown in him now versus then. So I, I'm trying to make the comparison. I don't know if it's just sort of something he's doing as far as uh, with the character. Is it intentional or if it's just a natural process? Anyway, you had a four-way tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. The North, Ethan Page and Josh Allen regained the titles. They defeated the Motor City Machine Guns, the Good Brothers, uh, and Ace Austin and Man Man Fulton. Uh, basically, the North recaptured the championship. They attacked Motor City Machine Guns prior to the match, so Saban basically had to de- had to uh, defend the title by himself. A uh, good match, some solid, solid wrestling in this match. No complaints. Uh, and I don't really have a complaint with North regaining titles either. So overall, good work. Oh yeah, by the way, since I'm since I'm thinking about it, I will interrupt this uh, review of the card just to mention that uh, I do want to thank SE Scoops for providing a lot of information we're going to be using for the show today. Uh, apparently, the impact. Wrestling is bringing back the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. So uh, they did announce that uh, during the pay-per-view, they're going to announce the new champions on the next Impact pay-per-view, which is hard to kill, January 16th. So uh, the original title holders was Reed and Taylor Wilde. They defeated Madison Rain and uh, Velvet Sky in the finals. Uh, so glad to see the belts coming back. Looks like uh, the division has a couple teams available so far. You have Kira Hogan, Tasha Steeles, uh, Havoc Nevaeh, Taya Valkyrie, and Rosemary, and Deanna Peraza and Kimberly. So uh, they do have a the building of an early part of a division. Plus, uh, there are plenty of other talent out there you could put together in the division. So hopefully they handle this properly and don't sort of mismanage it the way WWE has done with the worst with their women division. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it. Anytime you provide opportunity that wasn't traditionally there, and, and I'm not just talking about what titles that seem kind of excessive or superficial. This There is a void for women's tag team wrestling. If you're going to have women's tag team matches, there should, there should be a title for them. So. It's like uh, my... if wondering what I'm referring to. The pure title in Ring of Honor seems like a little bit of excessive title due to the fact that they already have a TV title or they already have the world title. So it kind of seems like unnecessary to have the pure title, but you know, not a huge complaint because anytime you can have more wrestling, it's good, but it just feels like the company and the roster isn't big enough to support that extra title with it only being, you know, a show that only has basically one hour a week basically, so... So I'm going to have to say you probably shouldn't have that many titles. Like I say, just keep the title. If you're only doing one hour a week, keep your title picture a little bit leaner. Unless, you, unless you're providing something that's truly unique and different. Like, I like when they came out with the six-man titles. That I like. I like having, obviously, I like having a tag team title. I like having a world title. I like having a woman title. But outside of that, you know, like I said, unless you want to do maybe a hardcore or something like that, something that's a little bit different, cruiserweight, something different, I just feel like you don't create additional quote mid card titles, and that's all pure title feels like to me. But anyway, I could be wrong. Anyway, 
let me move back into uh, my review of Bound for Glory. Uh, they had a singles match for the uh, Impact Knockout Championship. Good match. Sue Young defeated Deanna Perrazzo. Uh Related to this, Smiley Kylie Ray did not show up, so we don't know, quote, why she was there or why she wasn't there. Also, it was not Susie, so apparently Sue Young is taking over from Susie. I can only assume that Sue Young uh, attacked Kylie Ray, and that's why she wasn't there. That's my leading theory. That's probably everybody listening's leading theory, but I guess we'll find out uh, Tuesday night, or you know, or in the near future. Another good match, enjoyable. They did a good job. Hats off to them. Uh, last but not least, you had a singles match from the Impact World Championship. Rich Juan defeated Eric Young. This is the match that I think they really uh, missed out on not having a live crowd or basically any talent, you know, there. I feel like more so than any other match on the card, this is the this is the match that truly. Will in, would, would have uh, been special by having a live crowd there. Uh, more so than anything, a world title change, particularly with somebody's, quote, first world title, that's when you really want to get the rub and the benefit of a live crowd popping for them. And they just sort of just sort of lost out on that, which was, which was you know, sad as far as the ability to capitalize on a new uh, world champion. So anyway, uh, he was, you know, he was featured from, um, he was originally uh, fired from WWE or let go. I don't know how you want to describe it because there was alleged domestic violence incident. Uh, Eventually he was, quote, cleared from that and he did eventually sign with TNA. So I haven't heard any other incidents in the recent past from him. So hopefully he's gotten his life together. I'm not saying that he officially did what he was accused of because he was not convicted or anything that I'm aware of, but (coughs) I do want to say hopefully he has gotten his life together. There was an issue and I haven't heard anything else. So hopefully, you know, like I said, things are going good for him and his family and things are, you know, going wonderful. So he's actually married to Sue Young. Uh, and actually, now they're they're actually both champions. So uh, I don't know if there's ever been husband and wife off the top of my head. I don't know if there's ever been husband and wife world champions in the same company before. But uh, if not, they've made history. So congratulations to both of them. I did notice that he shaved. Uh, so he got rid of the mustache before his world championship, which is, I don't know if that was an omen or if that's something they requested he do or what, but it was, it's weird seeing which one with no mustache. <laughs> Completely off the subject, but that was weird scene. But anyway, uh, we had a very, very, uh, good weekend of wrestling. I would call Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell was, I'd say, I'd probably say a great card. Uh, Blum for Glory was good, although, I don't think it lived up to the sort of it being, quote, the WrestleMania of 
Impact slash TNA, the lack of a crowd and no wrestlers or any sort of crowd or no video streams or anything definitely probably hurt it, particularly with the main event. But there was some solid work going there, so it wasn't you know bad or anything. It just it lacked a little something, but it was still good. So overall, we had a good week in wrestling. Uh, I actually ended up watching most of Hell in the Cell yesterday. I watched some of it this morning. I watched all all of Bound Glory Bound for Glory today. I did enjoy it. So overall, I had a nice full day of wrestling today. Trying to squeeze it in before I before the show, so I could talk to you guys. Uh, Overall, an enjoyable uh, couple of days of wrestling. Actually, uh, we do have a call on the line, so I'm gonna see if the caller is available to speak. Caller, is this Brian? Yes, it is. Are you clear to talk right now? Yes, I am. Have you watched any of this wonderful wrestling we had this past weekend? I have. Uh, did you watch Hell in a Cell or did you watch uh, Bound for Glory or both? Uh, Hell in a Cell. Okay. Well, I discussed Hell in a Cell earlier, but, you know, I, I'll go ahead and uh, throw the floor to you. You can talk anything uh, about Hell in a Cell that you want to. Also, uh, by the way, did you hear Did you hear any of my thoughts on Hell in a Cell? Yeah. Okay, did you hear what I said about Roman Reigns, the Roman Reigns match and how they booked it? Yeah. Okay. You can go ahead and share all your thoughts on LSL, and then uh, I want you to discuss at the end uh, my thoughts from the booking with, with that particular match, too. Okay. Um, well, this, well, I'm going to try to make this um, brief. Overall, Hell in the Cell, I actually give it a, a, a B plus. Um, it, it wasn't typically like the, the pay-per-view has been in years past where they just do stuff in there just to throw it in. It was specific. It was um, precise. Um, the only thing I probably would have um, done was I probably would have added, added a um, tag team title match versus um, Elias versus um, Jeff Hardy. Now, we are going to the um, um, main events and everything. Um I wasn't surprised that Randy Orton won just because um, I remember I told um, you and um, Chris, um, like, last year, yeah, Randy Orton's getting one more title run. It, um, it, 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 just, it just had to happen. You Okay, you fighting um, this guy in a long feud, at some point it got to pay off. And it just so happened, Drew McIntyre um, – had the title, so yeah, he he's qualified. He he fought him three times, so at one point he was gonna get the title. Now, how long he keeps it? That's different. Roman Reigns. I actually like um where they're going with this, but I could actually see the Usos um jo- um joining um the the um the Roman army um uh, I mean the Roman Empire um by. Probably, I want to get. I, I want to say probably about WrestleMania. So due to the stipulation of the match, they pretty much have joined it now. Although it's, it's an issue of whether, like right now, they're sort of reluctant, and maybe they'll become more quote participating members later on. <laughs> right. But yeah, like I said, they 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 previously did a sort of face run where they were sort of allied, but they never fully got it together. 
But mm-hmm. I would like to see them, you know, become a little bit more official and more united. Like like you say, this would be a good form of long-term storytelling where he eventually convinces them, my way is the white way. We got to do it this way because this is what feeds the family. This is what works in this, you know, in WWE, us working together, us doing whatever it takes. So I think eventually if they do this story right, it can eventually evolve to that, especially if you want to sort of build it as a long-term story, heading into WrestleMania and going forward. So I got to, right. like you said, you, you raised an excellent point, and I'm glad you brought that up. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead. Uh, well, I, I'm, I look at it like this, though. Now, um Although um, they're um, all, um, okay, all on SmackDown, I could okay, I could e- I could easily see how um, um, it uh, it could be a little um, time where they probably off camera. But um, my question was, at what point did it go from okay, you're out of the family, period? To now you my servant because when he said it was like consequences, no, no, I mean that okay, that was just on SmackDown. Then he went from um, the die consequences, you out of the family to now you my servant. So does it mean you still out the family, or does that mean you're um, out the family, but yet you still my servant? Yeah, I think I think what happened was there was a little bit of confusion when they first said it. I thought the stipulation was the consequence is you if you lose the match, you're out of the family. That's what I thought it was. But then right. like they it sounded like they came back with you know, no, it's not that if you lose you're out of the family, you either become more or less become my servant or you're out of the family. So I think maybe they just either didn't clarify it right the first time or they just sort of said it wrong the first time around, or they just realized that's not the way we want to book this. We want to book, because we don't want to book them leaving, and we don't want to book them not associated with the family, especially with, you know, having to keep kayfabe and the size of the family anyway. So I think maybe they just wanted to clarify it and straighten it out. I think maybe they just, they just they didn't put it out the way that they wanted the first time, but they just realized once they put it out there, this is not the story we want to tell. So, But like I said, I was confused like you at first. I thought I thought it was going one direction, and apparently it had changed. But now I, I probably should go back and try to reread it and see, you know, or rewatch it and see if that was the case. But I think, considering both of us were kind of confused by it, I think it was just confusing to begin with. Or they just said it one way, but you know how wrestling is. Oh, that's You're not right. it. You know, you just change it without telling anybody. See, see me, I probably would have went in the original direction of what they said. I um I probably would have had them um out I would have both of them out the family and then um probably um I'm okay, I'm okay, okay um um now both of them like exiled and everything. So then um since, since um Jimmy had lost I mean since Jay lost, Jimmy gonna have a match Okay, and then uh, Roman Reigns. Um, okay, probably like um, I'm gonna go ahead and do this, and I will probably have this at uh, Royal Rumble, and the Royal Rumble match will be um, him against Roman Reigns. Okay, now if you lose, you are both um, okay. You're both gone, um, not only from the family, but you gone from the WWE. So you you give them a little time off. 
still the WrestleMania, then um, um, whoever wins the uh, Real Rumble is going to um, face Roman Reigns. Me is trying to cash the um, the Money in the Bank um, thing on um, on Roman Reigns. Then the Usos come in. They they jump um, they jump the Miz, and he keeps the title. Then um, you have the uh, Roman Army or Roman oh. Empire. Uh, see, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's more thought than I put into it as far as pre-WrestleMania, as far as, you know, the next, I guess, three months or so. But that's definitely an interesting take. I, def- I, could, see that, I could see that happening. That actually wouldn't be, that wouldn't be bad. That's some, pretty, that's some pretty decent looking if they go that direction. Now I'll be disappointed if it happens just due to the fact that I'll be disappointed just to the fact that now that, that you predicted it, then now I already know the story, so it's technically a spoiler. So, But no, that's actually a good book, you know, so... Here's my only question Okay What was the point of having Otis win the money in the bank To have him um, Give it to um, The Miz when You really didn't build none of them up Like that You um, Okay you, you built Miz As more of a um, Tag team wrestler You um didn't really do much with Otis and everything. It um it it, it was like, yeah, he, he, he won a match against Dolph Ziggler, yeah, he, he won against um Miz and Morrison. Now all of a sudden, okay, so now he, he's um Mr. Money in the Bank and everything. Don't um don't get me wrong, I am a Miz fan. I I say if anyone deserves another title run, Miz been deserved it. But why did you let Otis win it in the first place? I um I could have thought of a couple better people. Rey Mysterio would would have made more sense. Give him his, his final rub. Give him his final run as a um as a champion. You um you give him two months. Okay, then he he could go off in the sunset in his Hall of Fame career. You you gave the run to Alistair Black. Make him have a heel turn and everything. He um he he um cast the title in. Makes sense, but yet you get the oldest, and you 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 did nothing. Um, all, all you did was oh, you had his best friend turn on them. Pretty predictable. I think uh, I think the whole I think maybe the whole plan the whole time was to do something like they did with it now. Anyway, let's be realistic. Did anybody think Otis was going to win the world title? That that was my problem. It was like, okay, so how y'all trying to do this? Then when I saw that, I'm like, okay, now it makes sense. No, I mean because let's be honest. Although he's physically um, big enough to go against Roman Reigns, no, I mean the the the, the ring the ring the in ring styles clash too damn much. You, it um it is bad when um. Roman Reigns will have to carry that match. And Roman Reigns is a solid wrestler, but I don't think he's one of them guys that could carry a match like that. Or, or, or am I just missing something? I think he's, like I said, now that I think about it, I've never really paid close enough attention to heavy machinery matches slash Otis matches to see how good of a wrestler he is. He's always seemed solid, but he's one of those guys that has, he does the whole, whole same sort of stick over and over again where Eventually, you do the worm, and that's pretty much the only thing you pay attention about to what he did in the whole match. 
I actually would have to go back and watch his matches and see if he's actually a good wrestler. Because honestly, I don't know. I've never paid enough attention to his his matches to see. I enjoyed Heavy Machinery as a team overall, but I've mm-hmm. never focused that much on their actual wrestling other than just you know them being stakes and weights and sort of half comedy but half tough guy sort of team. So I actually would need to go back and actually pay closer attention to, him, to his actual wrestling to say that. But I wasn't even focused on whether or not you saw him as a, as a champion as far as his wrestling. I mean, literally, I don't see the character of Otis being a world champion. I don't think Vince or anybody else in WWE saw it either, at least not at this point. So when they gave him the money in the, the bank, I, I figured he probably was not going to cash it in. Honestly, I felt like the, the play for him to, quote, cash it in would have been eventually when he tries to cash it in, that's when Mandy Rose turns on him. And whoever's whoever's the champion was would be some sort of more, quote, hunky type of guy, and then she would leave Otis for him or something to that effect. That would be what I thought was going to happen if he ever did try to cash it in. She would turn on him, and that would be the way. Now they just sort of seem to have sort of dropped the storyline to a degree. They keep mentioning it, but it's almost like they're not together with them being on separate brands. I kind of felt right. like I kind of felt like what they did with him the whole time was they never planned on him winning the match. So I mean, winning the title. So they always kind of planned to have a way to have him drop it, and this is how they did it. Because you put it on somebody like the Miz, somebody. Who, because one, money in the bank matches. The money in the bank because is always better when it's on a heel, particularly yeah. the sort of conniving sort of heels. So it's on a person that makes a lot more sense now, anyway. So I kind of figured the plan the whole time was always to have him drop it to somebody, anyway. You never, you're never going to give him the belt. So this makes more sense, like you say. It didn't make sense to him to win in the first place, but at least it, it did. The, it, it gave you something different as far as storyline. Plus, there was a pretty nice storyline they had going with him and Mandy Rose, you know, as far as they they, they ran that storyline for months, and it actually managed to stay somewhat entertaining. They sort of ran with uh, Dolph Ziggler in it. They ran with uh, Sonya Deville. Yeah, Sonya Deville in it. So they did a good job of incorporating different mini-fuse within that same storyline. So it it, kind of reminded me of, like, I've been thinking a lot about, like, NWA and the Territory Days, how, like, back in the day, you could have a feud, and it would turn into some other feuds, and it would work really, really well. Like, you'd have Dusty Rhodes feud with Ric Flair. Then, since it was Ric Flair with the Horsemen, next thing you know, you have Dusty Rhodes feuding with Tully Blanchard, or you have Dusty Rhodes and Megan T.A. feuding with uh, the Andersons, or, the, you know, the, the, the Minnesota Record Crew, et cetera, et cetera. So, one feud right. leads to another feud, leads to another feud. But it's, you know, sort of the same thing, but almost keeping it fresh at the same time. So that's kind of how I felt like that worked. And that's one of the disadvantages you have, like, in the current days when you don't have as many stables feuding with each other. But that's kind of how the Hurt Business can sort of work right now, like Hurt Business and Retribution. You have Bobby Lashley feud with one guy, Slapjack. Next thing you know, you got Cedric Alexander feud with Slapjack, you know, and you just sort of work it down from that. It makes a lot more sense as far as creating matches that are within the feud, but actually, you know, not having the same guy fight over and over and over again. Okay. Since you brought that up, um, you, you, you actually, I I really wasn't going to comment on this, but since you brought it up, I'm going to say this. They handled that poorly. They going to do to, um, um, retribution, what they did to NXT or next. To Nexus. Yeah. Yeah. 
You cannot have a quote unquote um a, a, a rebel group come in, shake up um the, the WWE, then in their first match their first official match they lose. That nope. makes no sense. Nope. I agree and, I agree with you completely. Um, um, okay, let, okay, let's think about um, plausible groups who won at least their first two matches, and, and they did at least bare minimum solid. Okay, we could go with the NWO. We could even go uh, with, um, I really don't like to bring this group up, but I'm going to say it anyway, Aces and Eight. Uh Hell, um, let me see who, um, who, okay, who else was, um, actually not, not too, too bad, though, uh, hmm, uh, what's that group called, oh, yeah, um, New Blood. I, I'll do you one better, it's not just for staples or for groups, literally, whenever you bring a, quote, new wrestler in to a territory or to a company, or even if you even if you just take a wrestler that's already been there and you repackage him, you always let him win at least a few matches to help him or her get over. You can't come in and lose your first match and be over. That's not how it works. If 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 you were supposed to be this big tough guy or this big tough woman and you immediately come in and lose, you've already lost your credibility. <laughs> I don't care. I don't. I don't even care if you're a stable. If you're just like an individual wrestler, it doesn't work. Let alone a stable that's been that's been scared people for months and months and months, and now first they were just interrupting whenever they felt like it. Then they were just exclusive with one brand interrupting whenever they felt like it. Then next thing you know, they're signing under contracts. Doesn't make any sense at all. See, I um I would not oh, okay how how um Vince did this and I know this, this is a Vince decision because there's no way Heyman would have done it like that. To me, at least, um, I think if you're gonna do it, Chris made the perfect way of how to do it. You you don't necessarily have an actual number of people for retribution. You know what I mean? Now you will have, okay, fine. You have maybe three wrestlers who who will actually wrestle. You know what I mean? Fine, but when uh, she hits the fan, okay, it could be five. It, it it could be ten, it could be thirty. You know what I mean? You okay? You never know how many is going to actually show up. You know what I'm saying? So that's going to keep people on their toes regardless. So yeah, it, um, okay, running can happen at any point, any time, and when they um actually win, okay, it, it, it's going to it's going to be like um four straight clean wins to actually get them over. Because you can't cheat every single step of the way and still be credible. Is that fair to say, though? That's completely fair to say. <laughs> so, as much as I didn't like this guy um, as a wrestler um, in Impact EC3, at least when you had him winning, it was clean wins. Granted, it was against jobbers and nobodies at first, but. After a while, he actually beat credible people. And when he won the the world title against Kurt Angle, it was a clean win. You you couldn't argue that, and 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 it, and it was actually um pretty good. Now, let's go to NXT. After Black, 
At first, he was beating nobodies. Then you built him up to um, beat, beat um, um, actually um, three out of four members of um, of Undisputed Era. <laughs> Sorry about that. Then he actually won the title. Okay, great match. Now, you're just going to have these guys just, just, just lose their first match? Nah, yep. that, 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 that's you're not already work. You're already not taking them seriously. And then how, how, how you got them is something out of a comic book. Oh, yeah, and then here's the other thing. They're heels. So they had an agreement. We're not going to bring anybody down. You're not going to bring anybody down. They're heels. They're supposed heels to. The, I mean, <laughs> they're supposed to break. They're supposed to lie, cheat, and steal, man. It, it, exactly. Man, didn't Eddie Guerrero te- teach anyone anything about being the heel one-on-one? So at least MJF, he personifies the modern heel. I wouldn't even say the modern heel. He, he personifies the old school heel. He's, quote, not trying to be liked. People will still like him anyway, but he's not, you know, he's not trying to be funny in the direct way. He's kind of like, he's kind of like the way, like the heel that Ric Flair was, where you liked him in spite of, in spite of him, not because of him, sort of. Okay, well, explain Dolph Ziggler. It's like, he, so, it's like, you don't know which way they want to go with this dude. You don't know what way they want to go with uh, Robert Rude. Personally, I think he needs to go back to um, Impact, go, go to AEW, or just um, go to New Japan. Who needs to go back? Who needs to go back to New Japan? No, no. I, 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 I said, well, go to New Japan. Where I meant, go to New Japan. No, I'm saying who? Who did you say? Uh, Rude. I don't know if he. Now is not. Now is not the good time to to, to tell people or or that people want to go tra- traveling. <laughs> so I wouldn't say now would be a good time for that. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be a good time for that anytime in the next year or so. So you you might be looking at a while for that, but. I would say in his case and a lot of other cases, now, like I said, if, if you're looking just for the advancement of your career, a lot of people who made the jump the last, you know, couple years, they didn't necessarily get the results that they were expecting. But also now, I, I would say now is not the time to be sort of jumping because the one steady, you, you basically right now you got steady paychecks as far as America, with uh, with WWE you get in NXT, you got steady paychecks AEW. If you're already in Japan, you know it's probably you know you probably get a steady paycheck there. But I would not be trying to you know navigate where I have to country, you know cross any international borders on a regular basis right now. So if you go to Japan, you want to stay there. But whether or not they would clear clear you to let you in in the first place is a bit of a problem. Okay, so, so so again, I'm I'm, I'm going to ask the question: Is AEW out the question for for Bobby Root? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's out of the question, but I don't know if they necessarily would want him or not. 
you gotta you gotta you gotta take consideration. Do they like I say he's with him being an older guy? I'm not saying that they don't want him. He still can work, so it's not it's not an issue of that. But compared to what they have already, is, are they truly gaining something with him, or would it just be looked as another guy they added to the roster previously from WWE? If they got a spot for him, it would make good sense for him. If they don't have something to quote for him to do, it wouldn't necessarily be this mess because they're trying to, for the most part, they want to push younger guys who have been underutilized. Bobby Roode's like, what, 40, I think he's like 41, 42. So it's not like he's a young guy. It's not like he has a big future in the business. I'm not saying he's, you know, washed up or anything by any stretch, but I'm saying this future is not really there as far as there's more in the past than it is in the future. So I don't know if he's the right guy for them. I'm not saying, no. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he doesn't make any sense, but I'm saying I think they have enough quote WWE veterans that they want to focus more on bringing in the young talent. They, like I said, they want to do. Okay. Um, okay. Fine. I, I throw, I throw this one at you and okay. You you um okay then you say um younger um talent okay let's go NXT um who at NXT will actually make sense though over there if um if, um if, okay if um you could choose from from if 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 they could choose anybody from from NXT who AEW would choose yeah obviously I probably I probably would just uh probably go with undisputed era. Just take the whole team. <laughs> like you say, technically you said three, but why not just take yeah. the whole four? <laughs> that would make more sense. Although, like I said, if you, if you say if you're saying you only take three, the, the guy you leave is Bobby Fish just because he's old and beat up. <laughs> so if you got to take one out, leave Bobby Fish. Not because he's not talented, just because he's been hurt a lot lately and he's older. So it makes sense to focus on the guys that are younger that you get more uses out of. Okay, I I I give you that. Um, myself, I will. Um, I will probably go. Um, with, um, now, now, um, okay, now one of my um picks will probably be Austin Theory. Do do get do get um a a damn great upside. Uh, still need um a little work though, but I believe um if if he if he was over there. They'll probably polish him up and everything. Although with Austin Theory, I kind of wonder what the reason he was get quote suspended from WWE for. It makes you wonder what he did that they suspended him. Right. So suspended him, but and didn't, they didn't promote him. him and it didn't make and it didn't make the news. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. So I would say maybe him, but I kind of would be curious about that to say before I bring somebody in. Why are you getting on? Why are you being put on double secret probation? <laughs> anyway, let's let's yeah. move on. Like I said, we talked about like some of the uh, we talked about the couple of previews already. There there are a couple of news stories I want to get in before we get uh, to the end of the show. So I want mm-hmm. to talk about things and get get your opinion. On. Since I did uh, already talk about this, uh, do you ever watch the Eric Andre show? Uh, no. Definitely, if you get a chance, you can probably check it out on demand or possibly on Hulu if you got those. But Eric Andre, basically, he's just this crazy show. Hannibal Boris was like his, uh, quote, sidekick on this insane talk show where just crazy stuff happens all the time and there's these crazy stunts. But apparently, John Cena was on his show 
and they did a stunt, and Eric Andre got a concussion from it. Mm. According according to uh, Eric Andre, it, it wasn't it wasn't his fault. It's just they designed a stunt properly, improperly. So he ended up he ended up basically with one of those like you know how you get those knots like on the Flintstones on your head <laughs> when you get hit in the head. You get mm. a huge Apparently he had one of those. <laughs> mm. So that's some rough stuff. So. uh for somebody that does so many crazy stunts and whatnot, <laughs> it's amazing that doesn't happen to him more often. <laughs> but uh, that's that's some weird stuff. I just haven't actually saw that on TMZ, so I figured I'd get your opinion on that. But like I said, if you like if you like you like crazy stuff like I do, and I know you do, definitely if you get a chance, check out the Eric Andre show. It's, it's mostly an Adult Swim show. I don't think they're making new episodes anymore, but there's like. I think three or four seasons that you can go check out. And then, like I said, all the episodes are only like 15 minutes long, so it's a quick watch, too. So definitely check that out. That goes for you, Brian. That goes for you, the the uh, Wrestling With Problems listener as well. So but anyway, I'll move on. Did you have a chance to check out Ledena Debonair? I did. <laughs> now, there's been some strong opinions either way on that. Some people think it's just brilliant. Some people think it's terrible. Uh, where do you fall on that? I, um, actually, I thought it was rather entertaining, you know. Okay, I, I have to err on your side. It was it was definitely ridiculous, but it's ridiculous in that they're getting the joke. There's some time when people try to do ridiculous stuff, and they don't realize how ridiculous it is, and they end up looking stupid. Both of them were aware how ridiculous it was, so it played well. They both were being over the top stupid. They were being ridiculous, but it worked. You know, there are some people that, like, don't like anything that goes out of the way to try to be a little bit different. So those people aren't going to, aren't going to be happy with it. It, it probably wasn't, wasn't really for them. But I'm also guessing those people mostly wouldn't be the core AEW base. If you're a fan of Chris Jericho, it, it makes perfect sense that this would be the sort of thing you would be a part of. Now, I'd say maybe it makes a little bit less sense for MJF, his character. But if you also, if you think about it, we all expect eventually this, re, quote, relationship between them is not going to work long term. So it makes sense that MJF would just sort of participate in it short term to get what he wants out of it and then eventually, you know, leave, leave, leave it down the road. So, I personally did enjoy it. I thought it was funny. The woman that I was hanging out with watching it, she described it as one of the gayest things she's ever seen. I was like, I was gonna say, that was kind of the point. She's like, oh yeah, I get it. It's like, okay, well, you know, I was like, technically, I don't think it's probably not the gayest thing you've ever seen. If you've seen Brokeback Mountain, that's probably a little bit gayer. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know what, I'm not. I'm not going to have that discussion um, doing the show, but we have uh, another conversation at another time about some of that stuff. So we can proceed. I'd say hopefully not. Because <laughs> I respect all lifestyles and whatnot, and they can do that, but I don't really want to have any participation. That... There's only, actually, there's only one, there's only one <laughs> I like to discuss such things, and that's mainly because. Now we can do this the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. Because that's hilarious to me. But outside of that, I generally try to avoid the subject for the most part. Like I said, if you, if that's for you, have at it. But me, not so much. I prefer to, to 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 turn my energies in that area different direction other than that one. So, but anyway, 
Anyway, uh, did you get a chance to check out AEW last week, the AEW World Title Tournament? Yeah. Uh, some bad news. Uh, Ray Phoenix is out of the tournament. Uh, he did defeat his brother, Penta L0M, by the way. Pentagon Jr. is going by Penta L0M because of some trademark and copyright issues. Basically, I think Triple A owns the name, so uh, that's why he's using a, quote, different name for AEW. He'll still use the name when he's in Triple A, but basically, Penta L0M beat, uh, ended up losing the match last week, but since Ray Phoenix is injured, Basically, they reversed the decision, and now Penta L0 is going to face Kenny Omega on the uh, Dynamite this week uh, as they head into the uh, semifinals. You're still going to have Hangman Page versus Wardlow. Pretty sure everybody's thinking it's going to be Kenny Omega and uh, Hangman Page in the finals of that, but you never know. AEW does surprise you sometimes, so you can never be sure with AEW, but I think that's that's the way that's hitting. So. I, I think, I think it, it's going to go that way, but... Um... Myself, what I believe should happen, um, and maybe um, they just me. I believe um, the young bucks should pay Kenny. Uh, I mean, should um, okay, should actually um, pay um, back Adam Page for costing them um, a shot at the tag team title, so uh, Nickel or Matt could cost him um, a, a shot, and then Willow um, moves on. No, that is that is a possibility. They could, they could go that direction. That 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 would that would be the sort of surprise that uh that goes with AEW doing a little bit. So I will take that under advisement. Now now that I'll be watching that, I'll be looking for that to happen too. So we do have some other injury news in AEW, by the way. We got Abaddon. Yeah, Abaddon, who's number three ranked female competitor in AEW. She uh, had a match uh, last week. Apparently, they had to cut the match short. She took an elbow to the throat. Mm. She was unable to breathe, and an elbow to the throat will do that. So, they said, luckily, apparently, she will still be fine. There's no long-term damage. But, uh, but she had a match, you know, last week, and she did, they ended up having to cut the match short against Kate Conti. So, and actually, it was, it was a Thursday TV taping, so it was, it was supposed to air this coming Wednesday. I guess if you're listening live, obviously it's supposed to air on the uh, 28th of October if you're listening to the podcast version of the show. But we wish her speed of recovery. Now, here's something mm. interesting. Uh, you remember that NBA referee, Tim Donaghy, that uh, was uh, gambling on games? Yeah. Uh, he is going to be a wrestling referee now. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be wrestling for Major League Wrestling. Okay. And and the best part is he's not just going to be a, quote, MLW referee. He's going to be the personal referee for Richard Holiday, the, who's in the dynasty. <laughs> so I forgot about that part. I, I knew about the part about him being MLW referee, but the fact that he's going to be Richard, Richard Holiday's personal referee makes it even more ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um oh, you know what I actually like Richard Holiday the, the the dude funny as hell my lawyer slash father <laughs> that's the new my dad owns a dealership <laughs> my lawyer oh, my. father 
Oh yeah, I Man. love. I love. I can't think of. I can't think of her name by the way. But the Fugies had on, on Pulp Fusion with the the woman who who's the uh, quote reporter slash sideline reporter yeah. slash talk show host. That has been brilliant, especially the fact that she keeps trying to do a Zoom show and he keeps fighting her way into Zoom. <laughs> That's been one of the best parts of Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fusion. So definitely, de- if you haven't been watching Pulp Fusion, you can go check it out on YouTube. Like I said, it's usually it's, it's, five it's to ten minutes, and it's very, very funny. It's like basically all the – if you just took all the wrestling out of uh, – all the wrestling out of uh, uh, MLW Fusion, and you just just basically had the sort of backstage stuff, that's basically what it is. So definitely check it out if you get a chance. Like, like, I, like I mentioned before, I'd say MLW is probably my second favorite show in wrestling after AEW. And, you know, I do – Play closer to the MLW than I do as far as if you consider the amount of time it's on the screen versus the amount of time that WWE and uh, NXT, Raw, and SmackDown is on the air. I probably pay more direct attention to MLW is based on as far as the total time it's on TV than those shows. Obviously, M- obviously Raw and SmackDown are longer shows, so there's more time to watch. But I mean, in general, if you just talk about what percentage of the show actually played direct attention to MLW is probably higher. Anyway, yeah, here's, I- the story, here's the story that I want to talk about, and this is one of the stories that I never thought ever, ever come up. Are you ready for this one? Because normally I, I don't know if you clicked on the link of the stuff, because I usually have been sending you and uh, Chris a link of stuff we want to talk about the show this week, but I didn't send the link this week. You know, it is a Google document, so you can literally just click on the same link every week if you want to, if you want to know what, what I'm planning on talking about during the show. Uh, I, when I say you, by the way, this you is for Brian, not for you, the listener. You can't click on the Google Doc link, but Brian, I send him a link every week, but it's the same link. So if, if, if I don't send it, you want to see what you're talking about, you can click on the link. But here's a story that we never, ever predicted we were going to have. Are you ready for this headline? Yes. You, you didn't click on the link already, did you? No. Okay. Here's a... Here's a headline from SC Scoops that I literally never thought we'd ever talk about on the show because I didn't know this was a thing. This, is, by the way, is an article written by Ian Carey. Here's the headline. New Jack's drag queen son talks being disowned by his father. Now, here's the sub. Okay. New Jack's son is a famous drag queen named Washington Heights. One, I didn't, I didn't realize... Obviously, New Jack's the kind of guy you would assume probably would have a bunch of kids anyway, but he has five kids. I did not know he had a drag queen son or that he had disowned Or, by the way, uh, to be clear, you know, just to get a few things straight, by the way, uh, Washington Heights uses uh, she pronouns when in drag, but I guess uh, male pronouns when not in drag. So I guess it's still okay to say son, but when you talk about Washington Heights, you say daughter, just to be clear, because I, like, I do like to respect people's boundaries as far as that goes. But anyway, uh, here's a tweet that uh, Washington Heights sent out at Washi Heights. Here's my thing. Was I petty posting this and changing his Wikipedia? Yes. Could I have handled it better? Possibly. The world is already against me being gay. I just want someone who created me to embrace what I do and support me. End of story. So uh, that's the one side of the story. And that was actually posted at the end of August, August 31st, 2020. Later on, uh, New Jack did respond to Vice in email, and this is uh, New Jack's side of the story. 
My son was mentioned in my book that just came out last year, so the statement about me disowning him three years ago is simply not true. I've heard there was a mention on his Twitter feed that he was upset because he was only mentioned once in a chapter that was half a page long. I spoke briefly about him and four of my other children. He was actually one of my kids that was mentioned by name. I also mentioned the fact that I keep any information about all my kids, all of my kids private because that has nothing to do with wrestling and it's my own personal business that I prefer to keep private. So New Jack's saying I didn't disown my son and the son is saying that I was disowned. So you kind of kind of judge that for what it is. I don't want to really want to take sides in this because I don't really know either person. And besides, the other thing about this is, is New Jack a person you want to be on the wrong side of? <laughs> well, I, 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 will, I will say I will say this, though. Okay. Um, I, honestly, it's, um, to me, a family issue. So for me, I just hope um, they 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 work out what um, whatever is going on, and I'm I'm with you on that. Okay, how do we really know who's exaggerating and, and, and who's not? Who who's um making a mountain out of a molehill and, and, and who's not? We don't know. We're not there. So I'm just gonna like um well, alrighty. In other words, we just have to leave it there. But this is a story. The headline was so good, I had to discuss it, even though I have no personal information on it anyway. But I had to right. By the way, uh, if you want to see, uh, if you want, if you're sick of Biden and Trump, check out King David Lane's YouTube video, New Jack 2020, because uh, New Jack could be president. The world is crazy enough; it could happen. So definitely check out King David Lane's YouTube, and you can see the New Jack for president video. <laughs> It is definitely entertaining. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's see what else we got before we get out of here for the for this uh, day. We discussed that. We discussed that. Uh, I guess the last thing I'll discuss before I get out of here is uh, Marty Marty Scrolls' uh, status with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has returned to producing content for his weekly TV show. Marty Skull has not been involved, however. There was some subject. There was some allegations made on the Speaking Out movement. Uh, so Ring of Honor has been launching an investigation in his past conduct. There have been no updates from Ring of Honor regarding the investigation. He is not currently involved in creative with the company at the moment, and he isn't being used as a wrestler right now. Uh, he has been taking out the Ring of Honor roster page, which is interesting, by the way, though. So he's also not the booker for the company anymore. As far as I know, according to Dave Meltzer, as far as I know, he hasn't been fired, so I don't know what the exact situation is other than not using him. So you know how it is. Uh, when there's an investigation particularly with allegations like this, if you haven't been fired, you're basically, you're most likely probably just suspended with pay. <laughs> and then eventually, if they they kind of see where it goes, you're from there to decide whether or not they want to keep them or not. I guess it largely will depend on if they're be able, if, they, if there's just one allegation. And by the way, I'm not saying, I'm not saying one allegation is okay, but I'm saying general, as a general rule, when these alleg- sort of allegations come out, when there's multiple people saying the same thing, they're more likely to give credence to him because it's, quote, almost always a, quote, he said, he said situation. It's hard to know who did what or who didn't do what. But as a general rule, the more allegations come out against somebody, the more apt people are to believe them. And the more apt, even if, even if there's, quote, not going to be criminal charges, the more apt a company is to say 
you're just not worth the headache. So even if they aren't quite 100% sure if they think something happened or not, they might just want to keep, not keep it around because they consider you a liability at that point just because more than one person said it as opposed to just one person saying it. Again, I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm not saying that one allegation is okay. I'm not saying that 20 allegations is okay. I'm saying that is the way a lot of companies look at these issues. So uh, before we get ahead, you got any thoughts on that, Brian, or did you want to just treat it like the Ajax and just move on? <laughs> we can just move on from 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 that one. Okay. Uh, that about covers this week's edition of Wrestling with Problems. You got any final thoughts before we go, Brian? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, as um, most of you um, Wrestling with Problems listeners know, um, doing in the show, we usually um, give our little um, things that you may want to watch. And yes, I'm I'm still going to do my same thing with supporting indie wrestling. I'm still I'm still going to also say um um look um look at some of um New Japan if you um get a chance because the G1 um tournament is one of the best things in wrestling if you all about pure wrestling you got to watch New Japan um I'm I'm I've been a big fan of them for years I know um that the King and Chris been uh, fans of of, of their um, work for years if you um just just like like pure wrestling, that's that's um the organization you want to watch. And if nothing else, um if if you want um something more on along the line of America, as the King recommended, MLW. I um I like it. Um myself um I I, I got no complaints. That's probably like the best new thing I've um I've seen since AEW and it kinda takes me um to Lucha Underground. You know what you just said? Far- huh? I like you and I want you. I like you and I want you. You just said that. <laughs> well you said the first half, not the second half, but um, anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, but um as far now as far as wrestling goes, um also um you may want to check out the um the Hairdress tournament on um NXT UK. Um so, um solid wrestling going on there, um with they bring strong styles and um the the women actually are um pretty um credible wrestlers, so you may want to check them out. Yep. Like I said, always check out, always be checking out new stuff. Like I said, you discover new styles and new talent. You can see talent before they make it to sort of quote the main roster. Even if you're like not huge in any, it's always fun to see people quote before they really make it. So definitely check it out. Anyway, you've been listening with problems. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. So don't you touch the imaginary job that doesn't exist because this is internet. I came looking for booty. I like you, and I want you. Now we can do this the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. Well, I don't think you and I will be doing anything any kind of way.